It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Merry Christmas for those of you that celebrated. Happy Hanukkah for those of you that celebrated. Happy Festivus for those of you that celebrated. And if there's a holiday that I missed, I apologize, but happy that holiday as well. Joe and I are back from our little hiatus, and we're going to do a mailbag today, but we also have to catch up on some Bengals news. But Joe, first, you have your Switch now. How was your Christmas? Yeah, I haven't played the Nintendo Switch yet. The kids have, but I've been working the last few days. I'm just waiting to get to today. We're recording right now on Friday. I'm, I've been watching everyone relax, drink the eggnog and rum. I'm ready to get into it and celebrate a little bit myself this weekend. And we got uh, a big game on Saturday, so I'll be ready to celebrate and watch that one. Yeah, big game. I think that this is one where... The tanking Bengals fans don't have to say the tank, the tank, they need to lose. They need to get the first round pick because that is done. The Bengals fan base can begin to heal its wounds and come back together, unite behind a common foe, the Cleveland Browns. Put them down, end their season on a high note. And the Bengals can go out with that momentum that Zach Taylor's talked about, can send Andy Dalton on to his next destination with fond memories of one last mm-hmm. home game beating Cleveland and Cincinnati. I hope he tears it up. I, I really hope everyone wears their number 14 Andy Dalton jersey on Sunday and, you know, cheers loudly for him. And, uh, you know, I, I really hope he has a great game. Not only because I think that second half or at least the fourth quarter may help his stock a little bit. Uh, another good performance would maybe help that trade value go into the offseason. We got questions on that in the mailbag, so we can dive in a little more there. But, yeah, I won't, when I said we got a big game Saturday, it was talking about the uh, LSU-Oklahoma game. So I'm in on the tank still, obviously, but now we're in the, the clear. So let's go win. Let's beat Cleveland. Let's uh, enjoy this final game. I didn't even hear that you said Saturday. I heard big <laughs> game, and I'm thinking, all right, yeah, let's talk about football and it's it's early for us guys we we did neither of us slept very much last night i think we're on about five hours each right four hours maybe if that yeah but that's okay we will persevere and do a locked on bengals episode here so lsu oklahoma the players to watch Joe Burrow and Kenneth Murray, the linebacker for Oklahoma. 
Yep. C.D. Lamb is a fun prospect that won't figure into the Bengals draft plans most likely. Some other guys on LSU, a lot of defensive backs. What about uh, Patrick Queen, the LSU linebacker. linebacker? Have you seen any of him yet? Just from watching LSU games, which I feel like I've seen more of one team in college football than I have in a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got athleticism. He's made some plays in coverage. But, yeah, I, I'm interested in what he does or, you know, if, how good he is. I haven't focused on him at all other than he's made some splash plays. It will be interesting to watch some of these guys. It always is. College football playoff. I didn't realize it started on Saturday, but I guess that makes sense. So they play this weekend, and then they take two weeks off. Yeah. Just like the NFL. I wonder how it affects these teams in college football where they take like a month off between games. That's got to... That's so weird. Like nowhere else in football are there these huge gaps. At most, you see a week, you know, between the the, the Super Bowl, week one of the playoffs, a bye week. And that's why I think Nick Saban is so good in these situations because, you know, being such a great coach, when he gets into these long stretches, he just outcoaches you most of the time until, you know, recently with Clemson. But, uh, yeah, and you see, like, Clyde Edwards, a layer of the running back for LSU, get hurt, pull his hammy, and, you know, it may not go this week. And just things like that happen in practice now. You're getting injured because you're pushing these guys because they haven't actually played football in a month. So if you haven't been paying attention during this holiday season like we haven't, necessarily been paying a ton of attention to what's going on this holiday season a quick update on practice and injury reports for the Bengals and the Browns heading into week 17 William Jackson is destined for the IR and Stanley Morgan who was part of that heroic onside kick recovery at the end of regulation against the Dolphins last week is still in concussion protocol Darquez Denard, who mispracticed Wednesday with a knee injury, was a full participant on Thursday. The guys getting veteran rest in Tyler Eifert and Geno Atkins were full on Thursday as well. And Tony McRae, who none of us are really necessarily missing, will be back. So full participant, we can watch him on special teams. He's very good there. But on defense, if it's not Darius Phillips at this point, I might just go crazy. And then John Miller, full participant, coming back from a concussion as well. And on the Wednesday practice report, they actually, none none of them practiced. They didn't hold practice on Christmas. So it kind of was a report that they sent out to the media saying, had we have practiced, these are the people that wouldn't have practiced. So it's kind of, all right. And they all bounced back and were ready to go the next day. So it doesn't really matter much. Anyways, it just seems like, Yes, I'm with you. Uh, The big focus, I think, for a lot of people after the game, again, last week in Miami, where he was fantastic. He was on PFF's Team of the Week. Darius Phillips, he needs to play. He needs to start. He needs to play 60, 70 snaps, whatever the game goes. And we need to see that full context of him in a game. It's amazing that he's had such a season, interesting season, right? Preseason was excellent. Uh, he, He starts off pretty strong in rotation for the first four weeks or so, getting an interception in Buffalo, having a kick return called back for a, uh, that was a touchdown get called back on an Auden Tate hold goes on IR, right? Yeah. Terrible call, but goes on IR. So those are huge splash plays coming off a hot preseason. We're like, man, we got something here. Goes on IR, comes back. We don't get to see him. He gets one to five snaps a game for a few weeks there. And then he's forced in because William Jackson hurts his shoulder really the third time in his career, right? It looked like the same shoulder he hurt earlier in the year that he was able to bounce back after one week and wear a brace with. So he was gutting it out, uh, but he injured it again. We'll have to monitor that into the offseason. And 
Phillips comes in and plays excellent. Again, picks up exactly where he left off where we last remembered him. We need to see him play because there's going to be decisions made at that cornerback room this offseason. He got his hands on more balls when he was targeted than the guys he was covering. Yeah. Including that interception had two other passes broken up. We talked about that a little bit in our recap of the game. For the Browns, though, pretty much everybody on that roster seems to be limited right now. And I think that these guys are all still playing through it, so I I don't think that any of this really matters. But Odell Beckham's still on the injury report for the Browns. Chris Hubbard's still on the injury report for the Browns. That's their tackle. Left tackle? Right tackle? Hubbard? Hubbard's right tackle. Yeah. Jarvis Landry's still limited. Demarius Randall is back in practice. Sheldon Richardson limited. Olivier Vernon limited, J.C. Treader limited. All these guys were, were limited or not practicing when the Bengals last played the Browns, and many of them still played in the game. And the Bengals' defensive line had a really good game, so we'll see if they can reprise that performance this week in Cincinnati to close the season out. So we have a lot of questions to get to, though. Before we get to those questions, though, at the end of this holiday week, heading into the new year, recapping our first year at the Logged On Bengals podcast, The people that have been behind us the most outside of just our network are Abco Safety, and they are continuing to sponsor the Lockdown Bengals podcast through the end of the year. Abco Safety, that safety distributor located in Cincinnati, has partnered with 3M and again, sponsored the Lockdown Bengals podcast for the third time this season. If you or your company purchase safety equipment, be sure to give them a call because they will save you money on your safety budget. Joe, you're looking at www.abcosafety.com as usual. What's standing out at work or at home today? Yeah, I wear a Bengals hard hat at work every day, and OSHA says they're good for five years, and it is expired now. So I need to either find myself a new Bengals hard hat or figure something out here. So I'm, I'm looking through their 3M hard hats, and they've got a couple different varieties here, and they're pretty cheap, so... I may go with one since they're orange and do my own paint job or stickers. I bet you if you called up Abco Safety, they would work with you maybe to do something with the Bengals decal for you. You can give them a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Locked On Bengals when you do so they know you came from this podcast. Give them a shot at quoting your safety equipment to see how much they can save you with corporate pricing if you are a corporate client. And if you're a guy like Joe who just wants a Bengals hard hat, Maybe they'd help you out too. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, 
Faster Choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. You've got questions, we've got answers. This week's Lockdown Bengals mailbag, starting off with Cody Mead at Meter 14. Which teams are you guys rooting for to win this year's Super Bowl? In your opinion, how long before we are legitimate contenders again? So I'm not allowed to say the Ravens, right? Because this is the Locked On Bengals podcast and they're an AFC North rival. But man, do I like Lamar Jackson. So if I can't root for Lamar Jackson, I'll root for the other fun quarterback. Show me Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in the AFC championship game. Show me Russell Wilson and Drew Brees in the NFC championship game. Just let me watch fun quarterbacks do fun things and fun offenses. Although Seattle... For all the talent on that team, man, do Seattle fans like to complain about Pete Carroll's calls. So, you know, the the fun quarterbacks. Those four teams are the ones that I want to see play playoff games because I think they'll be fun. Can I say anybody but the Patriots? Honestly, sure. I mean, yeah. I, I even some people, I wonder if we put a poll out there. I, and this might be a good question. Who do you not want to win the Super Bowl more, the Patriots or the Ravens? Because I think there'll be a lot of Bengals fans that'll say, oh, no, no on the Ravens, obviously. But if it's between them and the Patriots and the AFC game, I think that may come down to a lot of people saying, no, Patriots, please, God. And uh, I think that's where I'm at. I'm with you on the fun quarterbacks. I want the young quarterbacks to win it. And then there are some older quarterbacks that I Man, I'm really, if Rodgers gets number two, what a great thing for him and maybe yeah. even pushes him towards the end of his career. Drew Brees, if he gets number two, I think he's a top five quarterback of all time, especially oh, yeah. talking efficiency and, you know, just playing the position at, at such an extremely high level. He's completing like 75% of his passes this year. Um, Brees is, is phenomenal. and He's not going to get his credit, I think, when it comes down to the to the end and we look back at his career. But, uh yeah, I'm with you on, on that. And I kind of want to see Carson Wentz get another crack. He's been playing better recently. Play, he's had some high-end splash plays. He didn't get that NFC run with the Eagles when Nick Foles came in. Um, so I'm interested to see what he does in a crunch moment. But there's it's a good year for teams. You see these young quarterbacks, and then the, still the old guard good quarterbacks are still back in the playoffs. And um, that's what I want to watch. I'm not interested in watching Philadelphia in the playoffs at all. But I think the one caveat that we definitely have to mention for any team but the Patriots is the Steelers might sneak in. And obviously that comes first. Yeah, that AFC wildcard, I think they're all bums. Maybe the Titans can get in there and sneak a game. And I think that's who I want. Because Ryan Tannehill, we spent a couple weeks talking about Tannehill in the offseason this year. He's been, I mean, I don't think people understand. He's been fantastic. Fantastic, yeah. like crazy good. Like if this was a full season, he's the MVP of the league type numbers, and oh. uh, it's up there. It, it's I'm, I know Lamar Jackson's having a crazy year too, but he would be right up there with him. His efficiency numbers, quarterback rating, everything is up there for him right now uh, for Tannehill. So getting the Titans in there and seeing if he can reproduce that, that goes a long way for him getting a big deal with them and being their guy of the future, which this sounds pretty cool to me. I think that he would be in the conversation, but he'd be behind – like three other quarterbacks That's at right. least, but yeah. in the conversation, sure. He's been, he's been a very good quarterback for Tennessee. And honestly, nobody saw that coming to this extent, but our next question comes from Troy Snyder. How worried should we be that the Bengals take anyone other than Joe Burrow with the number one pick, Joe? Um, very, very slightly. I think here's the thing. And even I've heard it recently from the f- few whisper 
people I get, you know, and, and little information I get that uh, they're not sold on Burrow yet, you know, or they, you know, don't don't throw away an, uh, the idea of Justin Herbert or don't throw away the idea of them trading back and taking Herbert because they like Herbert. And I'm like, yeah, that all makes sense to me. And this this has happened before. Then I'll get to the to what I mean. It's happened before where the people I get whispers from go, hey, you might be a little bit higher on this guy than the Bengals are just giving you a heads up. And I, I've heard this before. And then come around to draft day, two months, three months later, they actually take the guy that I thought they should be higher on. And it's because they're still going through the process. We may be actually a little bit early on them or the person you hear things from is one guy out of a group of people that are going to make this decision. So what I think is going to happen here is there may be truth that the Bengals like the idea of trading down and accumulating picks. There may be truth that they really like Justin Herbert, but they're going to circle the wagons, come back around. They're going to meet Joe Burrow. They're going to bring him in multiple times. They're going to review the tape. The coaches are going to review the tape. Everyone's going to get in and say, it's undeniable. Joe Burrow's the guy and he's going to be the pick. It's going to happen. That's how it's going to happen. So you may hear things in between that they're exploring all options. It is December, so they should. Uh, but they're going to land on the right target at the end. Do they get to pick which team they coach in the Senior Bowl? Uh, they may. I think you can put in a preference, and since they're picking first, they may get that option. So they I also they like to pair um, certain guys with that team also, the, the director of the Senior Bowl. I'm forgetting his name right now. Sometimes he'll say, well, the Browns are, are coaching you know, this team, so let's put Baker Mayfield over there on the north since Oklahoma can be both. Hmm. LSU can certainly only be the South, I think. So it'll be interesting to me to see where the Bengals end up coaching in the Senior Bowl. Apparently, they're locked in to coach the Senior Bowl at this point. So that's good news. But I don't know who they'll be coaching it. So is Justin Herbert going to play? Is Joe Burrow going to play? Right. That'll be interesting. Yeah, Herbert should be on the North, be in Oregon, too. Mm-hmm. So you, you should get a good quarterback on either side. Uh, Jordan Love has been... Um, um, invited also if I go I'd like to ask Duke Tobin also when they he went to that Utah LSU game early in the year week two I think it was did he go for Jordan Love or did he come away thinking something different at that point because Love got completely outplayed by Joe Burrow so I'd love to find the answer for that but uh, yes I was going to also say that think of the two coaches last year for the senior bowl the Raiders could potentially be in the playoffs and then the 49ers I have definitely uh, secured a, a top spot. So uh, it's not a terrible thing to coach in the Senior Bowl, and it's a, actually a really good uh, benefit for drafting, too. And the Bengals did this with Marvin Lewis once that I Twice. remember. Twice. Okay. How did yeah. those drafts go? Uh, those are the drafts where they had A.J. Green and then Andre Smith were the two, I believe. All right. 50-50. Although Andre Smith has had a very solid career. Well, you also have to look at all the other picks, right? I can't remember those right off the top of my head. As Andy I'm... Dalton? Yeah, right. They got Dalton, who did play in the Senior Bowl. They got Clint Bowling, who played in the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. What's our next question, Joe? Oh, yeah. I'm on the clock here. And it is from Stripe City. Stripe underscore City. If Burrow has a bad postseason, how much does it hurt his draft stock? I just... For for one, have a hard time imagining Joe Burrow playing a bad football game this year. His worst his worst game is still better than an average quarterback, and that's against the best defenses in the country, teams like Auburn and Georgia and Alabama. Mm-hmm. And in some of those games he was better much better than above average. Some of the some of those games he's actually quite good. In others of those games he was trending more toward average. So 
Oklahoma doesn't have a very good defense. The, the, you know, in that, that big 12 throw right. the ball all over the field. They have Kenneth Murray, who's a, a prospect to watch with linebacker, but I don't know anybody else on the Oklahoma defense yet. And then if, if they win that game and if Clemson manages to win, well, either, either Clemson or Ohio State, both of those teams really strong defenses. Yeah, both that'll be the challenge. Will be really good test for Burrow, but it's hard for me to imagine him having a bad postseason. Because he, I, there are all these games that I thought would be stumbling blocks for him this year, the way we saw Jake Fromm mm-hmm. have a hot start and then struggle in SEC play. And and we haven't seen that from Burrow, so it's hard to conceive. But, I mean, it would have to be disastrous to really hurt his draft stock, I think, especially if Tua goes back to school. I mean, there's there's not, I mean, unless you love Justin Herbert, who else are you picking? Right, and it would have to be, Let's say he throws three interceptions, they lose to Oklahoma. Let's say he throws three interceptions, they beat Oklahoma. He comes back to Ohio, against Ohio State, throws three more picks, and they get dismantled. I think that would put a dent in. Um, I think it also depends on how bad. Like, like say the defense is like, okay, we're not going to let you throw it over the middle. We're not going to let you escape the pocket. you got to make tough throws to the sidelines, to the boundary, down the field. And we go come away saying, oh, man. Um, you know, because right now he survived his average arm throughout this season. Not only survived, he's been fantastic. But if, say, they turned it into a weakness or used it against him, which is what NFL teams will try to do, we may come away and say, all right, so maybe we overestimated a little bit here and we got to reset the table and relook at this. But that is what happens when a guy has a good or bad bowl game is you either go back to the tape and watch the other games and see if you missed something or if there's something hidden or something maybe you didn't understand before. Again, very hard for me to imagine at this point. So let's get to our next question from Kyle, Joe Burrow, bound at Bengals junkie. Other than blatantly obvious offensive linemen, what could be positions the Bengals target with pick 33? And I want to combine this with another question. Okay. Which, oh, where is it? I can't find who asked it now, but somebody asked, and I'm sorry I don't have your name. Can the Bengals put together an offensive line from the parts on this roster? Oh, here it is. RW. Is Fred Johnson any good? Can you piece together a decent line with the 12 guys under contract right now? They were high in O'Shea Dugas. They added Johnson. Some assume Jerry's right. gone. I can see him being a versatile and active. Is, is Glenn definitely gone? So let's talk right. about the offensive line. So say they don't take O-line with 33, and they got to go into round three and take an offensive lineman, which that guy may contribute, may not, may play half the games, may be good as a rookie. You really, If you wait to the third round to add an offensive lineman to this team, that's what sets the table for is do we have the pieces on the team right now. Um, but I think every other position should be open for discussion at 33. I, don't be surprised if they want to take a corner at that spot because – I think the situation they're in with Derek was Denard being a free agent. They're going to have to make a decision there. Uh, William Jackson's been hurt. Didn't really have a great year, even though, you know, he was up and down for the most part. Derek, uh, Drake Patrick, most teams I think would release him. So corner could be a position. I think linebacker could be a position. I think three-tech defensive tackle could be taken because you'd love to have a guy coming right behind Geno Atkins to play with him and eventually replace him in two years. Uh, so I think three-tech could be, if you're there and that's the best player, you take it. So, I wouldn't be surprised at wide receiver either. So I think there's a lot of ways. I, I wouldn't just hammer in offensive line, even though that completely makes the most sense for me for the depth at this this draft, 
That's where usually the good guards and centers go. That's where the offensive tackles in this class are going to be at peak value because there are so many worthy of a first-round pick that one of them is still going to be there, a lot like last year. And say you get a right tackle and you put them in at guard of rookie year, whatever, uh, I think O-line makes a lot of sense. So to answer also, Jake, on this offensive line group that they have right now, why don't you take that since I pretty much covered everything at 33. I just wanted to mention one tweet I saw. I mean, for one, all the positions you just mentioned at the top of round two are, except linebacker, positions of strength in this draft, which is when you're picking at the top of round two, you're getting a guy that we probably had with a mid-first round grade that has somehow fallen, right? You're going to be like, okay, why is this guy falling? Okay, maybe it's just a weird gap thing that happens. and, And so you get, you know, Lamar Jackson was 32. That's one pick before 33. Nikhil Which Harry. is last year uh, with Dalton Reisner and, and Jawan yeah. Taylor. And yeah. I'm forgetting the other guy that was also oh, um, Oklahoma that went to the Bills. Yeah. Cody yeah. Ford. Cody Ford, right. There was a great group. If the Bengals were picking 33 last year, we end up with one of those guys. And this offensive line looks much different. I wanted to mention a tweet, though, that listed – a guy listed just like – Jordan Reed. Ten tackles. Jordan Reed. Ten tackles who he thought, first round, was it? Yeah. And one of those guys, Josh Jones from Houston, is a name in particular that I'm interested in watching because as a smaller school, not a major, you know, mid-major program, he's been excellent. And PFF has been talking about this guy all year. If Sam Cosme comes out, which I, I don't think he necessarily should, but if he comes out from Texas... That's another really promising young offensive tackle. He's a redshirt sophomore. So the tackle depth can get very, very late this year, potentially. He said one of those guys he thinks is going to end up in round three. Think about right. it again. The Bengals are picking at the top of round three. That's the late second rounder. So uh, that that's a lot of opportunity. Talking about the guys on the roster right now, though, can you make a solid line from it? I don't think so, right? So how does that happen? That happens if Jonah Williams plays left tackle, lives up to his top, you know, 10-ish draft billing, and right tackle is one of Cordy Glenn or, or I guess, Fred Johnson. Fred Johnson was excellent in pass protection against Miami, who doesn't have the best pass rushers, of course, but he was still very good in pass protection in that game. Had his issues with run blocking, but was a great pass protector, and you'll take that as a starting block. We're also four straight games of Bobby Hart playing decent. Yeah, in pass protection. Right. Again. He, he had a couple good run-blocking plays that I recall as well. If Michael Jordan takes a step at left guard, and he seems to be showing some, some glimmers of that, uh, especially that athleticism in space, that's good to see. Still some mental errors across the board for the interior O-line, but... Yeah, so you know, you you extend Trey Hopkins. He he's down the stretch been kind of more toward average at center than above average mm-hmm. at center. And then you have to figure out right guard, John Miller. Sure, I mean, you really feel good about that group? Undrafted yeah, multiple guys. injuries too. Yeah, undrafted guys, injured guys. I mean, you're, you're talking about three players that are undrafted free agents or seventh round picks. If, if yeah. that's what they run with. They need a guard. They, they need to address some outside talent. They yeah. need to bring and somebody in. 
I do. I hope Fred Johnson, if you didn't notice last week, the Bengals heavily rotated regard and yeah. tackle, left tackle, yeah. right guard. I hope they do that again for week 17 because I do want to see Price still. I do want to see Fred Johnson. I think we need to see those guys. Uh, Michael Jordan's been better since he's come back. If he takes a step, maybe he is a starter. But Fred Johnson for pass pro, I really liked what I saw in that in that game. So, you know, if he does that again against the Browns and again, they don't have another pass rusher to really threaten, but still, if you play well against the competition in front of you, then sure. Maybe at the very least, he's your number three tackle, which uh, we thought if they upgrade right tackle, Bobby Hart is your, now your swing guy, but maybe it's Fred Johnson. You can save 7 million. Next question is from Duder. The friend of mine is a Dalton lover. I point out all the stats and he always passes the blame along. He threw a stat my way. One of the quickest quarterbacks to get rid of the ball. Is this really a good thing? Does it account for plays developing or not working through reads? I don't think that time to throw is necessarily an indicator of good or bad. Although across the NFL, you'll see that many quarterbacks have a much higher efficiency grade, passer rating, whatever you want to call it, Mm. when the ball comes out faster than 2.5 seconds. But a lot of times... This indicates what we've talked about Andy Dalton's strengths being his entire career is that he's really good before the snap. And a lot of times that's where he finds a success when he can sit there, read the defense, get the offense into the right play, get the ball out immediately. Then that is often an easy read. It's also gotten him into trouble at times when he's confused. That's where a lot of his interceptions have come. So some pros and cons to getting rid of the ball quickly. When people say, it's something that's always a good thing. I think you're talking about how quick the release time is. And Dalton has a pretty quick release, but that's not what this is talking about. This is saying the ball is coming out that quickly after the snap. So there's some pros and cons to that. What it tells us, though, is when you look at his stats in the, in the throws where he has to hold the ball, he's not very good. He, right. he's, when you have to go outside of the structure of the play, we've talked about this for years, Dalton breaks down. Yeah, that's the big factor there. So it is a good thing to get rid of the ball quickly. It means that you're reading the defense well and you're getting the ball to the right guy. Uh, That's not a bad thing at all. We want that quality in the next guy too. What we want in the next guy also is, like Jake said, the ability that, oh, shit, it's not there. I know where to go with it for my secondary or third option or even create a play when I need to. And that's the area Delton has always lacked. Uh, And so – you know, that's it's a fine stat and it is one of Dalton's strengths. So it's no big deal. It's it's a good thing to point that out. That it is one of his strengths and one of the things we'll remember. But uh, the, there, there is the other half of that coin, I guess. Our next question comes from Paul at IHOP for Bengals. You should all just go look at this picture because it is perfect. Is there such a thing as too much Bengals swag, Joe? There is no such thing. Look at this uh, outfit with the Zubas and the the. You know, the coat with the big chain, is that like, it is, it's a big, like, Miami turnover chain, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Shout out to our man Paul here with the uh, awesome picture. It must have been right before the Bengals-Dolphins game. Yeah, he's standing with a guy dressed with an orange shirt, Miami orange shirt, Miami orange pants, got Dolphins colored shoes on, and uh, Dolphins green, blue, whatever, jacket and hat. These guys are both dressed really well. Yeah, that's how, this is exactly how you should go to a game. Um, so good on them right there. So next question is from Betts. Pick one. Draft Burrow and make the playoffs 12 years in a row or pick Chase Young, only make the playoffs once in 12 years, but a Super Bowl guarantee. I mean, this isn't close. I take, take Super Bowl guarantee. I take the quarterback 
every time because in 12 playoff appearances that you could win True. or couldn't win, you should one win. of those might be a Super Bowl. And that means you have 12 years of really good regular season football. Hmm, if, right. this, if this was 12 years and they never won in the playoffs, obviously I'm taking the Super Bowl appearance. But that's not what the question is. And, and then I get a quarterback, too, who should be fun. Give me mm-hmm. the fun quarterback every time. That's all I want to watch in the NFL anymore. I wonder what the odds of making it and because I, I think making the Super Bowl is definitely, you know, the goal before even winning it. I'd like to see this team even make one. But uh, and win playoff games, obviously, would be the, the factor to get them there. But I wonder what the, the numbers in, on history say for uh, your chances of actually winning a Super Bowl if you win a playoff game in the playoffs, you know, like, so are, are your chances now like 25% if you get to the divisional round? And if they, in that case, 12 years of playoffs would probably mean the chances say, and I'm just guessing because I don't know what these numbers say, that you should make it to the Super Bowl three times in 12 years. Look, I feel like that would be pretty accurate. Look at the teams that have been to the playoffs anywhere close to 12 years in a row. That's like the Patriots and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, no would, one goes 12 years in a row. Who? No one goes. I mean, there's been teams yeah. like the, the Colts and, you know, with Peyton Manning and the Steelers with Big Ben, and those are the guys that also <laughs> represented the AFC when it wasn't the Patriots. I'll take the 12 years in the playoffs because I think that represents a dynasty. Our next question comes from Jackson at Jay Mativia. Jay Matevia? Jay Matevia. One of those three pronunciations is probably right. Do your and Joe's, I think mine and yours, ideal off-seasons play out differently? You both see them drafting Burrow, but what about after that? What holes do we draft for versus what free agents do the Bengals bring in? Hmm. I don't think we differ that much because I would no. say I think uh, we'd both want to pay A.J. Green. I think we'd both pay Darquez Denard at this point, uh, you know, at the very least as their nickel guy. I think we'd trim some of the fat in terms of Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, I think the big thing is where do you attack or what do you try to sign for free agency? Do you go out and spend on a guard? Do you go out and spend on a linebacker? Because that linebacker price is getting crazy. You see Shaq Thompson get $12 million a year. Uh, is Joe Schobert going to get 10 to $12 million a year? And if that's the case, do you pay it? And are you cool with that? Because I think I might be. Uh, because I think we're going to come back, as we always do, five years later, we're going to say you can't pay – Kevin Zeitler, $10 million a year, and then five years later, you're like, man, I wish we paid Kevin Zeitler $10 million a year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's just how, that's the nature of free agency. It's it's a shock sticker, but within a couple of years, it's great money, or at least bearable, if as long as the guy works out. So I'm cool with that, or going to get a Graham Glasgow at left guard and sure that position. So you're more open to picking someone different at 33. So uh, I think if you could only pick one, I don't know where I'd go on linebacker or guard. I think linebacker is the better position because the draft value this year isn't coinciding with linebacker. I want Corey Littleton so badly. Sure. Yeah. I think he's going to make a lot of money. I I would say though, the one place where contracts stand the test of time and you look at him a few years later and you're like, Oh, that contract is quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Those are the only contracts that come close to hamstringing franchises. You look at the teams in cap hell every year who still make it work, by the way, and often still win, by the way. It's like the Saints and the Steelers. Right. And and these teams, that, you know, eventually it's going to be, I think it is actually to some extent, the Seahawks too. Yep. Those teams are all still in the conversation when their quarterbacks are playing. 
So, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing, but those are the contracts that constrain teams the most. The other thing is with all these big contracts that they're giving out in free agency, most of them are front loaded. The other thing is the CBA is changing a whole bunch of factors here that are going to impact the way we look at this stuff in years to come. We could be headed for an uncapped year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that happens, watch out because the Bengals are <laughs> not going to spend money in an uncapped year. But imagine if they did. I think the only other thing we haven't mentioned is we both like to see some changes to the way that this team is structured in the front office. We'd like to yeah. see those additions to the scouting department, a true GM and layer of insulation between ownership and personnel decisions installed so that Mike Brown is no longer the GM technically mm-hmm. of the team. Stuff like that. And that, uh, that for me that even includes Duke Tobin. Even if it's Duke Tobin as the GM, I think that would be a step in the right direction because you're still hamstringing that position right now with not, without having the resources, without yeah. having the full scouting, without having the analytics. Uh, with still, I mean, Mike Brown still has to sign off on the final decision. Even if Tobin is the one doing you know the legwork and really guiding him, you still have to get it signed off by the owner, as every team kind of does, but at least the GM has that title and that more that majority control at that point. So even if it is to open, I'd be okay with that. This is from Carlos Andre. How would you grade Zach Taylor's progression as a head coach this year? Are you more confident that he is or isn't the guy now? Or were you more confident before the season? This kind of goes into some questions that other people had as well. So yeah. thanks for those of you that asked about the head coach. I think that we've seen some progression from Zach Taylor that has been promising since the bye week in particular i think Mm -hmm. that the run game improvement is noteworthy and i think the fact that the locker room seems to have stayed behind zach taylor as far as we know that is promising i think a lot of my concerns about this coaching staff are on the defensive side of the ball right now I think that I expected zach taylor would need some time as a young inexperienced head coach to learn was I more confident before the season probably I thought that he might find a little bit more early success than he has but some of the adjustments give me reason to think this guy can settle in and do the job he seems like a good leader he seems like a smart guy he doesn't have a huge ego he says the right things to the media which is sometimes frustrating but coaches need to do so there's reason to think that he could be the guy, but I don't feel very strongly that he is or isn't. I think you need to give him another year. Yeah, I think we have no idea. And I've said this before, that the Bengals had to go out and get a guy probably before he was ready. Especially we, someone else asked who should be on the hot seat for like the other coaches. And Lou Anarumo is obviously the guy that's going to come up for everyone. But what, three defensive coaches turned it down? They couldn't find a guy until after Valentine's Day last year? The same kind of goes for head coach from what you hear. And the Bengals had to go out and get a guy that clearly wasn't ready. I think we were hopeful that maybe they can get lightning in a bottle and he's great right away. But, okay, he wasn't. But I would say he didn't embarrass himself. I know that sounds crazy. I said this on Twitter last or maybe it was Monday or Tuesday that, unpopular opinion, I don't actually have a problem with Zach Taylor's play calling. People brought up the fourth and one shotgun runs where they've been successful. They converted four of six. Some of the red zone calls, sure, they didn't ever figure out a way to get Tyler Eifert the ball enough in that area. Uh, missing John Ross hurts because he was their best red zone receiver. And um, like Auden Tate got 15 targets but only scored a couple times. Uh, A.J. Green wasn't out there. So 
I understand some of the red zone issues running the ball consistently. He's been doing that lately and it hasn't been working. So it's kind of, you know, a catch 22 there. What is, should you be running the ball? Should you be passing it? I don't know. You just got to have it work and it hasn't been working. Execution's been lacking. They're getting poor quarterback play. My overall point on this though is if you're dra- if you're drafting it, and I think it's very similar to drafting a quarterback that isn't ready. If you're hiring a coach that isn't ready, you have to give him time. And I think the Bengals had full intention on giving him at least two years, maybe even three, to let him develop into the guy they think he's going to be. This is for them like drafting a Justin Herbert and saying, okay, but he may need a year or two. And you're, after one year, if Herbert looked bad, you wouldn't say, oh, throw him out of, the, out of the window. Let's draft a new guy. You would say, no, this was what we all expected. You have to give him another year, and we have to see if he can turn into the guy we expect. Except I would, I would probably draft Trevor Lawrence. Given the opportunity, sure. If Justin if, Herbert struggled, if we could draft any up and coming head coach and and just draft Lincoln Riley, I think uh, yeah, we do that too right now. But we don't get that option. I just, I mean, college head coaches though, man, they don't always hit. They don't, or you get a Pete Carroll sometimes, and you're good for yeah. ten years. Yeah, but Nick Saban couldn't do it. Nick Saban had to not. go back to college. The Dolphins are a joke, though, and they were especially around that time. That's and true. the Bengals are, so maybe we would ruin Lincoln Riley. I feel like Lincoln – I don't think the Bengals could pay Lincoln Riley enough money. Oh, no. He's going to make think, tons of money. I think Dallas is going to come throw a huge amount of money at him. That'd be fun. It would be. I think with their offensive weapons or young players, yeah, go do that. If they keep Dak. Right. They should. Which, if they're smart, they would. Yeah. I agree. Well, that's going to do it for our questions today, Joe. Okay. Happy holidays to everybody listening. Zach Taylor went out and did some volunteer work, so that's pretty cool. The Bengals are actually pretty good in the community. Just wanted to shout that out. Zach Taylor, Andy Dalton, Joe Mixon, all these guys are doing big contributions in the Cincinnati area. Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins recently won Community Player of the Week or whatever that award is for being a good person. Giovanni Bernard. Geo always. All these guys. Man, the Bengals have some good players. It's nice, right, that we're talking yeah. about good players right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> good people? Uh, not the Bengals. Not Marvin Lewis's Bengals. Couldn't be them. You're right. And I think, uh, you know, this, this is one of the things that people have asked about Andrew Whitworth coming back because the Rams can't pay anyone. And, you know, I'd love it just for that uh, sake, at least. that He's still a solid player, but also you know, for the locker room and the community aspect of Whitworth, the community still loves him. So that's how you fix guard. That is how you fix guard, right? Go get Whitworth, put him at left guard, put him back inside. He, Hey, he's done it recently. He started his career there. He's probably in his, in his late NFL age, ready to move inside. He said this, his, before leaving free agency, that was one of the quotes, is he may have to finish his his career at left guard. And he may have been talking about the next three years coming up, but uh, maybe he's talking about these next two years. And if he retires, he better retire Bengal, man. I I mean, they need they need a win in that department. Sign, sign him on a one-day contract, let him retire Bengal, you know? Yeah. Anyway. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Thanks for playing along and listening. We'll be back on Sunday, the last game, mercifully, of the 2019 NFL regular season and the season for the Cincinnati Bengals on the whole. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. 
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 